All right, we now welcome on writer for Golf Digest, Joel Beal. Joel, it says in your Golf Digest description, you own a golden tee and a broken putting stroke. You still struggling with that? Not only am I still struggling, struggling with that, uh, the golden tee machine is now broke. So uh, oh, it's, no. uh, I know. Oh, no. it, it's been on its last legs for a bit, but I think it's a 2004 edition, and uh, it's <laughs> – You'd be surprised, but it's pretty damn hard to find someone to come out and repair a golden team machine. So uh, it's 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 on its last legs, unfortunately. That'd be one of the last people out there to have a golden tee in their in their in their house. Yeah, it started after college. Uh, my roommate and I were single at the time, and there was some article we read about how much guys spend on dates, and neither of us had been on a date in a couple months, so we decided to pool that money together and buy a golden <laughs> tee machine to the to the fear of both of our parents. Um, but it worked out. So uh, it's anytime everyone walks in the house, they see the golden tee. It's, it's definitely a conversation starter. Well, Joel, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you've been at Augusta. Can you tell us just your overall impressions uh, being out there today, what you noticed among the, the feel, the atmosphere, the players, the condition of the course, anything stick out to you? I think the two things uh, through Monday and Tuesday have been the course conditioning. Uh, I think we thought it would be a little furry in the fairways just for how, how the grass would grow this time of year. Um, but it's a little higher of a cut than people are expecting, especially in the rough. Now, rough is something that doesn't really exist at Augusta National. Um, obviously, right. there, there's graduated cuts, but um, there's not necessarily rough per se. But right now, it's a good three and a half, four inches in certain spots. And from what I gather, uh, that's not just, hey, we're expecting some rain, we're letting it grow. That might, how, that might be how the course looks come Thursday. So uh, Augusta National usually keeps things close to the vest, especially when it comes to matters like this. So uh, honestly, I know there's a lot of player narratives out there, but I, I think come round one, that's going to be really what to watch is, are they really going to let the rough be this long? And if, if so, it's, it's going to be something we've never seen in a Masters before. I was hearing that there might be a little bit more Bermuda in the grass this time around. Correct. Yeah. That has to do just with, um, you know, that, that's how they grow the grass in the fall. And I believe they did something a, a slight differently um, than they usually do just to kind of get it into a, a greener hue um, for, for essentially television. Um, but yeah, the way, the way they kind of scalp the course in the summer to let the gr- uh, grass go back, they had a kind of fast forward the time frame to get it ready for it to, to be a play. But, you know, this is a course that does open in the fall and closes in the summer. So uh, they didn't have to change things too drastically. It's just different from how the course plays in the, in the spring. Do you think they're growing out the rough in, in reaction to what's been going on with the, with the distance boom on tour, especially with Bryson? It, so tomorrow uh, will be uh, Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta national. It will be his press conference. And I would be surprised if that's not question one, because if you look at the past couple of years, the scoring has actually hasn't been, uh, you know, not, not exactly fireworks. Um, the course has played relatively tough. Uh, so obviously after what Bryson did at wing foot, the focus turned to Augusta national and, you know, can Bryson essentially break down, uh, break down the course, very similar to what Tiger did in 97. So uh, they would never specifically say Bryson is the reason to do it, but uh, it, you don't have to, you know, I, I think we can extra- extrapolate as much that, if it's really going to be this high, it's a, it's a strictly, it's a strict answer to what's, what's happening, not only with Bryson, but what guys like Matthew Wolf, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of lost a little bit when we talk about Bryson is Matthew Wolf was leading the U S open after 54 holes, only hitting 12 fairways. And to give that context, I think the fewest number of fairways hit before that through 54 holes was Jim Furyk. So 
uh, you know, I, I know we are giving Bryson a lot of love on the distancing, but it's Matthew Wolf, it's Cam Champ, it's Scotty Scheffler hits it just as far. Right. Um, it's not just a Bryson thing. I, I know, obviously, the spectacle of it uh, makes it really fun to talk about, but he, uh, you know, even Tony Finau, man, when, when Finau really wants to crank it up, he can actually drive it past Bryson. So I, I think it's more of a reaction to all those guys, but uh, clearly Bryson will be the face of this if they do keep the rough come Thursday. Do you see any of these other shorter guys like a, like a Ches Reeve or Zach Johnson being able to contend this week? You know, the, 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 off the top of your head, you want to say no. And yet Zach Johnson won his masters in 2007 in conditions, very similar to what we might be seeing this week, very wet and very windy. Um, obviously the course was not as long back in 2007, but uh, you know, I think that actually does bring, uh, bring some of the, the shorter guys back into play in the sense of it's easier to hit a mid to long iron into these greens if they're wet. Um, that, that's kind of one of the reasons why shorter hitters have struggled. It's not that, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want off the tees at Augusta National. You can kind of spray it without impunity. It's The problem is how do you kind of keep your approach on, on these greens? They're not only they're so slick, but they're pretty hard, um, at least in the spring. Past two days, I mean, I'm seeing guys stick three, four irons into places where usually the ball would ricochet 15, 20 yards past the green. So uh, if if the greens and obviously they have sub air systems, so maybe they're trying to deceive players a little bit. But I mean, the latest forecast has like two inches coming on Wednesday and Thursday. And there's only so much so much of that you can pump out in time. So if if we get that much rain, man, I think guys are going to be throwing darts and it does bring into um, you know, into play that kind of wave of players like the Reeves, honestly, like someone like Jordan Spieth, um, who got guys who've been left behind a little bit this past summer. Do you think the, the Bermuda, especially around the greens could let in some of those, um, shorter guys who are maybe a little bit more, more wizards around the green back into the tournament, maybe like an Abe answer or a type of that type of player like that. It, it's funny. It's playing so different right now, just from what guys are expecting. Um, I, I do think, Someone like Answer who came up about six inches today from a hole on one and twelve. I've never seen somebody so oh, he, the poor guy. He looked like he needed a hug. Uh, he he joined forces <laughs> with Molinari, and you know Molinari was kind of laughing off, but Answer like was just crestfallen. Um, but no, I, I think someone like Answer, someone like Patrick Reed, um, who really is the only guy in the past six or seven years who won the Green Jacket without really playing that well in, in the second shot game. Um, and heck, even even Bryson, um, you know, again, not to keep bringing him up, but if you look at, at least statistically speaking, what he did at wing foot, he was really good around the greens. Um, now, Grant, different green, green green complexes, balls will run away a little bit more here than they did at wing foot. Um, but yeah, uh, if it if it is as bad as the forecast is, I think some of these guys will some of the, the, the short game will come back into play more so than in years past. Gotcha. And then. Kind of shifting towards, I mean, the biggest storyline of the week, it always will be. Have you seen Tiger hit any shots or have you, have you seen him out there playing? Um, and what do you, what can you expect? What what does Tiger have to do this week in order to contend? I mean, I, we know his putting has been a little inconsistent um, in his short game as well, but interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think you just hit on it. It's the putting. Um, really, the sense the Zozo, I mean, he's losing almost a half a stroke around on the greens. And for a guy who used to be one of the best putters uh, in the game, it, it's really disconcerting. I know he's dealt, you know, um, tested with different, uh, different length putters as best with the grip. Um, this week he's using just the old uh, standard Scotty. Um, 
it really comes down to, yeah, how can he put? Because physically he's fine. Um, you know, in years past, really, when Tigers struggle, it's usually been some type of physical ailment. Um, so on the plus side, he's coming in. He, he says he feels spry. He feels really good. Uh, it'll just be a matter of, you know, can he knock down some putts? I know it's oversimplifying it, but that's kind of the name of the game at Augusta. Um, to win, I actually think this weather helps him a little bit. I, I don't think at, at his current game, he's a guy who's going to really contend if the score is 15 or 16 under, but the weather brings the field back to maybe seven or eight under that plays into his hands. He, he likes to play ugly. Right. Um, and so, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. We, you know, I think he's usually you see Tiger, no matter how well he's playing among the top guys in terms of odds, he's relatively far back for, for Tiger Woods. So, um, you know, for any betters out there, I actually think there is a little bit of value in looking at Woods this week, just because he is kind of coming under the radar. Uh, I mean, heck, he, I think we kind of forget that he's the reigning champ. I know it's 18 uh-huh. months ago, but, um, you know, it's, no one knows this course better than Tiger. So, uh, and that means he's seen it in good and bad weather. So I think he's, again, I wouldn't say he's, he should be in the top four or five, but I think he's going to surprise people these, at least the first two days. Especially, yeah, like you said with the weather, I mean, he's a guy who can grind out pars and, and play ugly and, and kind of grit it out, especially with knowing the course so well. So- yeah, if you kind of rewatch that Sunday round, there wasn't a lot of fireworks until really 15 or 16. He kind of just was around even par for most of the day and just kind of let everybody fall back to him. And, you know, that's, that's something we don't normally associate with Augusta national, but again, the past four or five years, the scoring is not as low as we think it's been. So uh, by no means am I saying this is a U.S. open venue. Although again, if the rough stays as high as it is and it rains, it, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I do think we're going to see something maybe around eight or nine under if that comes to fruition, I think Tiger is going to be in contention come Saturday. For the betting type ball fan, are there any value picks that stick out in your mind? He's burned a lot of people in majors in the past, but uh, Tommy Fleetwood looks really appeasing. <laughs> um, he's uh, he, the way he hits the ball um, should translate extremely well to this course. And you know, I know he hasn't won America yet, then that's um, a bit of a leap. But yeah, he, he's a guy who I think is getting undervalued a little bit. Someone like Molinari, who I know he's only making his third start this year. Um, obviously, he took a lot of time off uh, dur- during the sabbatical to move his family from Europe to California. Um, and his first appearance wasn't really that great. But, you know, played well last week at Houston. Um, he's coming in with a little bit of momentum. You know, this was a guy who was leading this tournament through 65 holes last year. Um, and Didn't if make it a does mistake get... for the first 65. I mean, no, it, it was. And it's... <laughs> It's funny. I, you know, I saw him today and, you know, he, he looks a lot stronger than he did um, eight, 18 months ago. And again, going back to playing dirty, I mean, that's his, his win at Carnoustie. That, that was, everybody was falling apart that day and he still steady. So that, that's a guy, if weather is as bad as it, it's supposed to be, he's someone who um, should be right there as well. Um, I can't believe Matthew Wolf is still at like 30 to one last I checked that might've dropped in the, in the past couple of days, but I mean, the guy, finished T4 and runner-up in the, in the past two majors. Um, I think he's someone to watch, even even despite the historical struggle of, of guys making their debut at this tournament. Um, Patrick Cantley, I, it's funny. He The last couple of weeks after oh, his win, he's kind of jumped up a bit. But, man, this course is suited to him. You, know, you walk down the range, and so many of these guys have good swings, and you wonder, why don't they win more? I think Cantley's at the top of that list. I mean, he's got three wins. Obviously, he's, he's one of the top 12, 15 guys in the world. But I mean, he was right there in this tournament last year, kind of under the radar. But he, you know, at one point uh, on, on late Sunday, I mean, he was he was right there with Tiger Molinar and Finau. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he's there. Um, 
and I, you know, I know he's a divisive figure, but no one's really talking about Patrick Reed. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got an extremely good track record here and his game's coming in pretty good form. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at those guys who were kind of in that second, third tier uh, outside of the Rory and Roms and DJs uh, and Brooks. I think that's kind of the, the guys you want to uh, earmark. Totally. It's, it's funny. You say a good pick. I love can I mean, you see what he did at the, at the Zozo um, talk about having an unflappable swing and he was, he was hitting these bunt drivers down there. I mean, he was so steady. He was, He's just playing textbook golf, and and that's that's someone that we were talking about. That's like, hey, like look at this guy. I mean, more, no more so than maybe any guy on tour. He is comfortable with his game. Um, you with the Bryson boom, you've seen a lot of guys have to answer about distance, and you know they'll say the right things, but a lot of them are kind of experimenting either with you know longer drivers or adding adding weight to their frame or do, doing things to speed up their swing. Cantley's already relatively pretty long, but I mean, he's extremely comfortable in who he is and what his game, there's so much conviction. Um, in fact, in times I think it's actually hurt him. He might've been a little overconfident, but he is at just a really good uh, mindset at the moment. Um, and you know, when, when you think of majors, you're going to make mistakes at some point. Um, and I think Cantley sometimes learned the hard way. Sometimes you have to kind of fall off. Sometimes you have to really experience that hardship before you can succeed and if you're looking for someone to break through, I think Cantley's on that short list of, okay, he's got the game and he's got the mental disposition. Let's let him loose. Um, with, with the him, it always comes down to putting. I think that's what's kind of held him back in the past at majors. But as we saw a few weeks ago, the man, man can make birdies with the best of them. So uh, he, he's someone I would be, I would be shocked if he's not within three or four shots going into the third round. Gotcha. I mean, people forget that he held the lead briefly on the back nine last year. Yeah, and uh, with really had, had without that much experience at the course, so um, sometimes all it just takes is one of those tournaments under your belt to get going. And uh, yeah, I, I, it, for him, you know, we say this with a lot of guys, but it does seem like a matter of if not when. Um, so he, he's someone even stunt this year. I think at some point he's going to be put on the green jacket. But yeah, he's he's coming in extremely uh, self assured. Let's put it that way. Any other first timers that you have your eyes on? We mentioned Wolf at the top. Scotty Scheffler is a guy I'm really interested in because this was, I mean, aside from DJ, he was one of the hottest guys in golf. And then unfortunately came down with COVID and knocked him out of the U S open. And since he's been back, his game hasn't really quite been there. Um, following him a little bit yesterday. Uh, it, it does look like he's got a little bit more gusto to him. Um, he's also a pretty cool customer as well. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of what a lot, it, we talk about the ex- experience is so crucial at Augusta and that's definitely a part of it, but, a lot of it is most rookies, master rookies, they, they kind of get, they fall in love with the lore or they, they aren't quite ready for the patrons. Not having fans there this year is really going to benefit those guys because it's right now, it looks like a, a glorified pro-am. And even though these guys have been playing without fans now since June, I mean, this is the masters. These guys who've been there are used to seeing crowds and talking to a couple of veteran players They're even just at the practice rounds, you would have, you know, each green lined by, you know, thousands of fans, not having that is throwing these guys off a little bit. So, uh, I mean, just like someone like Colin Morikawa, for example, he's played here before, but to kind of go at these lines that other guys can't see because they're so used to fans blocking them out. Um, it's kind of giving them different angles of a, of, of a golf course that other guys, you know, they, they, since they've played every year a certain way with fans in certain spots that they, they really, they don't have, I don't say creativity. They just haven't seen 
this aesthetic before. Right. Um, uh, we mentioned answer, you know, I think he's the guy to at least keep an eye out for. Um, someone like Sun JM, who it's funny, this tournament was in April, I think heading into it, he was on, on, you know, that list of 10 guys of, Hey, watch out. You know, he was coming off such a heater in March. Right. He hasn't really played that well since in the restart. Um, but just talking to a few folks around him, seems like he's kind of got his, his driver under control. And man, if he finds the fairway, he's one of the best iron players in the game. So that's a guy who's, I'm not hearing really any buzz this week. That wouldn't be surprised if it makes some noise on uh, Thursday or Friday. Gotcha. Now, Joe, we want, we want to get you out of here in a, in a couple minutes. Um, I just curious to ask you, how many times have you been to Augusta now? So this is only my fourth, third or fourth year as a rider, but um, you know, I grew up in Ohio and my dad and I would always come down to a Monday practice round. So I've probably been here, man, 15 times now. Um, oh, wow. So it's, it, it, you know, I, sometimes we, uh, you know, both fans and media like drink the master's Kool-Aid and I am a, a self-admitted one of those guys. I, <laughs> I got a, well, I was lucky enough to play the course last year uh, on, on Monday and it was one of the best days of my life which I shouldn't have mentioned to my wife because she mentioned what about her <laughs> wedding and there was a pause before I responded. And that definitely put me in the doghouse. but uh, it, it really is everything you hear about Augusta national. Is it true? Um, it, it really is just such a unique and special place that er, the one thing that really struck me this week. And I, we were talking about this coming down that, you know, without, without fans, a lot of these guys aren't, they'll be able to kind of free up and, there is a certain part of playing at Augusta that you kind of do have to play for the fans and you want to play for the fans. Um, but maybe these guys would be a little bit more serious. But then yesterday I saw guys skipping balls on 16, which is something for years they would tell you, yeah, I really don't like doing it, but the fans want it without any fans. Almost, I would say 70% of guys were still skipping balls. So it just shows right. you like this, this, this place brings out a certain love and, and kind of certain childlike wonder for everybody, whether you're, a player or watching at home or covering the game. It, it's, it's, this really is one of the best weeks in sports and definitely one of the best weeks in our game. And uh, it, it's an excitement that's extremely contagious and something that I think has merit. And if, if you, even if you haven't been to Augusta national, I think you can understand why that is. People say the, the course is a lot hillier than it looks on TV and the greens are a lot smaller. Did you notice that when you played? So yeah, the, just on 10 alone, um, you know, it's, I mean, you could, you could ski down it. It's, it's so far downhill. Um, there, there really are a few flat holes. Um, in terms of what you don't see on TV, uh, you talked about small greens. It's kind of, they're big greens, but they're, there's only, there's small plates where you have to land the ball. So like 14 is in terms of actual dimension, huge, but anything, in, in that first 30 or 40 feet of the green is just going to roll back down at you. So you kind of only have that second half to play with. Um, the, yeah, the undulations are out of control. Number five. Uh, whew, I, mean, I mean, if I had to putt that every day of the week, I, I, I would be, I might just go left-handed. It's such a hard hole to putt. In fact, a caddy told me who had been there for 30 years, told him, told me it took him 25 years to figure out the reads on five. They're just that odd. And wow. you, you hear players always talk about everything breaks to, Ray's Creek it's then they find out that's actually not the case there, there's these things are so challenging and um yeah it's always said they don't quite show that undulation on tv and that it, that would be one of the reasons of many reasons why I would say it come it gives you a better appreciation for how tough this course really is um but yeah there's 
I'll say just going, going through the list on my head, I mean, the entire front nine is hilly. Maybe four would be the one, one really exception. And even that the, the part three still kind of dips down a bit. Right. Um, yeah, it's you, you, and for that matter on the fairways, there's no such thing as really a flat lie, um, which makes these approach a lot tougher than when we give these guys credit for. So yeah, it's, you hear it, uh, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. And it's funny you mentioned five and 14, cause those are kind of two holes that go a little bit under the radar when you're talking about master's holes and it just shows you, I mean, how crazy it is. Yeah. Five, five is one of the toughest holes in all, all of golf. It's, you know, f- listed at 490 but it's probably closer to 520 since it's uphill and extremely tough uh tough fairway to hit and i mean there's guys in the past who would lay up just because it's an easier shot 30 or 40 yards um into the green than trying to land something from you know 200 210 out and if you're short you know middle or short balls rolling back at you and if the pins in the middle or middle back it's just extreme i mean a lot of guys actually will just throw it in the back of the green in the bunker and just hope they save par that way um, and then 14, it's, it's funny, statistically, it doesn't play, hasn't played that tough, except last year, it really was throwing haymakers at guys. And I think there is a little bit of a, you survived 11 and 12, you kind of have the easy birdie at 13, and then you have possibly eagle at 15 awaiting. And especially on that Sunday pin at 16, guys have really figured out the way to use a slope and get, get a birdie putt within 10, 15 feet that they almost let their uh, guards down a little bit on 14 and you just can't do that. It's not necessarily the hardest hole to drive, but uh, if you're not in the right position, it's scrambling for par. And it's, it's, if you're on the wrong, if you're on the right side of the pin, you're kind of looking at five at best. So um, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's a hole that, you know, it, it's kind of just basically known for what it's not right. It's the only hole in the course that doesn't have bunkers, but it, it definitely packs a punch and uh, it's many a tournament that has been lost there under the radar because guys didn't take it seriously. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate all your insights. Super fascinating. Um, last question before you go, who's winning this week? Man, it, it's such <laughs> it's such a cop-out because I think definitely <laughs> the second – I think he is the second best odds, but John Rahm has looked so good the past six – I mean, he's looked good the past two years, but he's really coming in strong. Um, it. The thing this year when we always talk about Rom is, oh, how how is his temper? You know, is he, is he going to be able to control his temper? It's amazing how well he's playing despite this temper. I think that's us just kind of putting the wrong connotation on it. Like, yes, the guy has temper tantrums. He sometimes directs it directs it at the wrong people, but that fiery disposition is the reason why he's so good. He's able to channel it, um, and especially here, he, he's got a you know he finished I think the year read one. I think he finished fourth, um, and he certainly has all aspects of the game earlier, we talked about some of these short games of bonds, if they could, their profile could be raised. If it's given the, the different kind of grass structure this year, John Rahm has some of the softest hands around the green. You'll see he, we don't give him enough credit for how, how good he is around the green. There's just no holes in what he has. And man, I'll tell you what, that'd be a heck of a birthday present for him. I, I think Rom Rom is my guy. John Rom, 2020 masters champ. Joel, thank you so much for, for chatting with us. We really appreciate you giving time. Guys, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the week. Thank you, Joel. Take care. I hit a chili dip. It was off the it was off the hosel. I mean Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any takes on the e-golf pro tour? You already have iron (laughs) covers. You already look like a giant (laughs) pussy. I don't care. I honestly don't give a shit. He could be six feet under at this point, whoever WD. 
I didn't watch a single <clears throat> bit of it, but I'm going to chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Yeah, Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend so of the pod on Betsy. Terrell Haddon, are you kidding me? And there's a raccoon, no joke, like 20 feet away from me. <laughs> Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. Florida. No! You can't yeah. say Florida!